Young business leaders, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 131. Today, my guest is Lance Lang. Lance Lang has devoted his life to inspiring hope in those suffering from addiction, sharing his own journey from addiction to brokenness to freedom. From growing up as a pastor's son under the watchful eye of small-town America to leading a $30 million project management firm at the age of 25, pressure to perform and live up to others' expectations was a way of life for Lance. As the heaviness of these burdens grew, Lance turned to drugs and alcohol to keep up creating a year-long cycle of abuse and addiction that destroyed his hope and left him in a reclusive, depressive state that he thought would be his life forever. But God had a different plan. Lance pulled to sobriety is nothing short of a miracle. God pursued him and in a moment's notice changed everything in his life. Since getting clean and sober in April of 2011, Lance has gone on to inspire thousands of others to do the same. In October of 2012, Lance founded Hope is Alive Ministries. Today, Hope is Alive has eight homes filled with men and women working to restore their lives. He has written four books and tells his story hundreds of thousands of times each year all across the country. Young business leaders, Lance Lang. Lance, thank you again for being a part of this. I appreciate you taking the time to be here on the podcast. Uh, I already did a brief little intro, uh, kind of read your uh, little bio about yourself, but by no means does that completely encapsulate things. So if you don't mind, just say hello to the audience and uh, tell them a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, my name is Lance Lang, and I am the founder at Hope is Alive Ministries. I'm super excited to be on here and sharing with the rest of your, your audience about uh, what we do and, and a little bit about my story. But yeah, I, um, I oversee our organization and Hope is Alive to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those that love them. That's our mission, and what we do every day is help men and women that are early in recovery or in survival. Uh, learn how to do that through 18 homes in five cities now and three states. So wow, I think uh, I think the bio that I have for you might be a little outdated because I I think I only said like eight homes. So you guys have grown a lot since uh, in, probably in the last year or so, right? Yeah, it sounds like we need to update that bio. But yeah, just <laughs> last year alone we opened eight homes. In, uh, in all other places. So yeah, we've, we've had some exponential growth in just the past uh, you know, 12 to 18 months. So Lance, uh, you guys have seen some massive growth and, and I, I know that uh, we kind of talked a little bit about what Hope is Alive is, but I'd really love for you to maybe go back a little bit into how Hope is Alive started. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit in your bio about, you know, how addiction was a part of your life and how you were able to become free of it. But can you talk a little bit about the beginning, maybe uh, your story in terms of why you started Hope is Alive and how you were able to kind of take that journey to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. So I got sober April 27th of 2011, went to a 90 day treatment center. And really, that's when uh, the calling, if you will, to to take my story or really my struggle and to use it to help other people began to be solidified. And so when I got out of treatment, I actually was able to have the opportunity to work at that treatment center for another nine months. So really the first full year of my sobriety, I was living at a treatment center and that's helpful because I was watching counselors, um, you know, coach and counsel men that were in, in early recovery. I was able to take phone calls from parents that were calling about the treatment center and, and understand their struggles and what they were going through. And all of these things were kind of just laying this heavy burden on my heart to, to help other men. And so when I finally transitioned from that facility about a, a year later, a year into my sobriety, I knew that I wanted to work with other um, guys really that were um, trying to get their lives back. And I wanted to try to give them opportunities that they never would have had outside of potentially coming into this program that was in my, my heart and in my brain, but not actualized yet. 
and helping them in, in all areas. Because what I was seeing is that men and women really were, were coming out of treatment, but they still had all these areas in their life that were completely devastated. So there was mm. spiritual bankrupt, bankruptcy. They had a really little financial understanding. Um, they were struggling to find a career. They had emotional wounds that needed to be healed. Their families were still in a wreck. So all these areas were still there, but they happened to be clean and sober. And so the idea came to you know, put guys in a home, for me to jump in and live in that home and really kind of in a spiritual sense to just have a, a discipleship program. Yeah. But in a kind of a worldly sense to put together a holistic program that helped to, like I said earlier, radically change their lives. And so that's kind of how the, the dream began. I opened one house and invited five guys to move in. It was just about seven years ago. It was uh, February of 13. And so those five guys stuck around and, you know, people began to call and hear about what we were doing. Churches began to partner. Um, I began to realize that we could put this under an umbrella of a nonprofit and things just kind of began to roll from there. But I can tell you, Evan, I never, you know, sat down and said, Hey, we're going to go open homes in all these different cities and, you know, put together these fundraising models and go purchase homes. I mean, I honestly, I just wanted to go help other men and the mission kind of rolled from there. That's that's awesome, and I I love how you're able to take you know probably a, a really dark p- point in your life and and turn it around, and all I can think about like as you're as you're talking about this is the radical change that happened uh, in, in you for that because if you think about or when I think about addiction I think about that's very inward focused right it's very self centered and yes. you're you're kind of making a lot of decisions for yourself and you're damaging a lot of relationships right so everything's inward focused. And for whatever reason, in your recovery, and you, you kind of get out on the other side, you, you became completely outward focused. And so to me, that's, that's a significant change in your thought process. And so yep. I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about how you switched from the inward side, which maybe, you know, just the bottom, that's, that's what happens when you hit the bottom. But I'm, I believe there's more to it than that. So I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on uh, the, the, the change that happened that got you to the point where you became so outwardly focused that you wanted to help other people. Well, I think just to be really blunt, I was a taker for a long yeah. time. I mean, I, that's, that's, that was my life. I took, I took, I took, I took, I took from everybody and ultimately would destroy about anything or anyone in my path um, just on this unbelievable focus of getting high every single day. And so getting sober and beginning my journey in recovery, what I learned is that my life was really supposed to be, and I think God's creation and purpose for my life was all really to give it away. Mm-hmm. And so instead of taking it was a real internal spiritual flip that if I wanted to have any shot at staying clean and sober the rest of my life, I just felt like God was saying, you got to give it away, give it away, give it away. And yeah. so I've written about that in my books. I talk about that all the time. And obviously, if you know anything about recovery or the 12 steps, you know that that's the ultimate place that we want to arrive. That's the 12 step is giving away what somebody gave to us. And so I think that's the the ultimate place that we're trying to get our residents to. And that's why, you know, all of our staff members are graduates of our program. The pinnacle of recovery is really all about giving it away. And and so we try to get to that point where it's, it's, it's that realization in your mind and your soul that the most satisfying, gratifying life is a life that's given away. Hmm. Well, I, I think that when we're talking about, gratitude and we're obviously talking about kind of giving away of ourselves um 
that's very counterintuitive, I think, to us as, as people. Like we, when you said you were a taker, I, I think of everybody at some point is a taker in their life. And so, you know, at, at some point we have to kind of recognize that as we're able to help others, as we're able to make a difference, it's the impact and it's the relationships of helping other people. But, you know, for you, you had to kind of go through, you know, what happens when you go all the way to the extent of being a taker uh, and then ultimately turning that around to being a giver and giving back. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of my experience with Hope is Alive. I got to go to one of your Nights in November um, presentations that you guys do at the house. And I got uh-huh. to meet some of the people that were there. And what I was absolutely blown away uh, uh, with, not just like what you guys are doing and everything else, but when I was talking to some of the people that were there, they seemed like me. They seemed like they had been on a similar path and, you know, it, it wasn't that, you know, this person that I would maybe see like a homeless person or somebody in an alleyway, they seemed like normal functioning people that uh, made me kind of question myself, like how far is potentially addiction away from anybody, anybody listening to this, this podcast? Is it, is, is addiction is closer than we think? Or is it something that, you know, it becomes a, a naturally progressive thing and you end up there? Uh, my thought is that it's a lot closer than you potentially think, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's a couple choices and some trauma away from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I came from a, a great family. My dad was a, a pastor. My mom was the quintessential pastor's wife who taught elementary music and, and piano in our home. And we were at every church service and every civic function. I mean, um, it, addiction doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care who you are, what your background is, what your bank account looks like, what your last name is. Um, it just really doesn't care. And I think there's obviously some predisposition factors that, that can play a role. And that certainly was the case for me. Um, some, some genealogy, several generations down the line on my father's side. But I believe we all, especially in today's day and age, have a pretty addictive personality, mm-hmm. and we're chasing that that dopamine rush that we get in our brains, and that can come in the form of more likes on social media. It can come in the form of us uh, in our, in our working life chasing after uh, the next big sale or the next big accomplishment, and so all those things can manifest in um, drugs and alcohol a few choices down the road. And so I, I believe that we're all susceptible and that's why education is much, so much important and awareness is important. We've got to talk about these issues, especially in the workplace with high functioning leaders. Um, we're not too far away from that by any means. And so when we're finding our identity or our satisfaction in, in what we're doing or really anything outside of our, our faith, then we're susceptible to, to addiction in some form. Yeah. So in, in my world and in a lot of the kind of spheres that I operate in, when we're talking about high functioning leaders, we talk about, you know, people in leadership roles, there's a lot of stress associated with that. There's a lot of responsibility associated with that. Um, and there's a lot of pressure. And so I think that a lot of times you'll, you'll see people that are looking in some cases for that escape. Now, you can do that through a vacation. You can do that through the weekend. You can do that through your time off. Um, and then ultimately you can do that through alcohol and, and drugs. And right. what I've noticed in just in my journey that when I've seen people under extreme stress, 
I see them drinking a lot more. And I believe that there's an escape that escapism that maybe comes with that. And I think that's maybe what the draw is. And then just at some point, maybe the stress level gets too high or the dependency on just chasing that dopamine rush, like what you were talking about, like you're, you're, you're chasing it more and more and it's harder and harder to get. And that's what gets you a little bit further down there. But that's why I was saying, I, I feel like it's, it's so much closer than we think because, you know, as guys, uh, you know, we are in a situation where we don't want to show that we're struggling. We, we want to be in these leadership roles and we want to be in these positions where we're, you know, we're, we're the guy making the decision, but sometimes you don't realize the cost that comes with that. And if you don't have healthy ways of dealing with that, then I think that's where those dependencies and, and kind of going to those, those substances that allow you to escape really come into play. Yeah, without a doubt, you have to, I mean, all of recovery is, is developing healthy coping mechanisms. That's, that's a, so much of what we do today and, and also processing previous trauma and, and getting yourself in the right environment, putting yourself around the right people, all those things. But for me, I, I've learned and I'm still learning every day what I need to have to maintain healthy balance in my life. And so I still go to and I'm about to have nine years of sobriety in April, but I, I still go to one AA meeting every week at least. Wow. And that's for me, it's Thursday morning at 7 AM and it's a group of about only five or six guys and they know me very, very well. And it's my time for me to be around people that really get me. And I think that's a healthy thing for any business leader. You got to actually have a place where people can call you on your stuff mm -hmm. and they can really read you. And you can also be very free to be who you are because especially high level leaders, they can be such chameleons in a good way and be just like whoever it is that they're in front of needs them to be. And so I think you've got to have a, a healthy place where you can have a safe place to be who you really are. And so for me, I, I still do that at least once a week. Obviously I'm in community with all the men that are in our program, some a whole lot closer than others, but I'm still, you know, in a place where I'm teaching or leading those people and, and they get me and I'm around those people that, uh, like I said, understand me. And that's really important. So for you, I, I, I don't know if you're classifying that as a, a coping mechanism, but does, do you believe that, you know, as you, even with an organization like Hope is Alive, there's a lot of, you know, financial decisions you have to make and all these other stuff. Does going to those meetings and having that safe place, is that, does that allow you to kind of, you know, release some of that pressure instead of having to go to other things to kind of get that relief? Is, is that, oh, is that yeah. what that thing is for you? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, no, I, I come out of those meetings so much more balanced in that piece um, and aligned with, with who I really am. And, and mm -hmm. because you're in those meetings, you're sharing about your past struggles. You're reminding yourself of where you used to be. And that's what keeps you from making those two or three choices that will lead you back to, to wherever that pain or that rock bottom moment was for yourself. And so obviously, you know, meetings are important, but I mean, I'm also in the gym four or five times a week. Um, I, I do other things that really help me. Uh, we do take some trips. We get out of town. Um, obviously, for us, we're at church on the weekends. We have a community group that we're involved with. So there's a, you know, a handful of things that I've got to do to stay balanced because, I, I mean, I'm a recovering drug addict, and that means that if I'm not careful, I'll put everything I have back into work, and I'll be a workaholic, and I've been there at times. I've struggled yeah. with it. And so, and luckily, I have a really good wife that reminds me <laughs> kindly uh, <laughs> that I'm falling back into that. But I, I've just learned that I've got to have balance. And, uh, and that honestly, for a workaholic guy like me, 
to come to the realization that time away and self-care actually provides more return on my investment is a, a breakthrough for me. And what I mean by that is when I get away and I'm able to um, find creativity in those places, rest in those places, new ideas in those places, then I can come back fresher and stronger than ever and eventually um, be more impactful in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love how you're talking about vulnerability. That's something we've talked about a lot in this podcast. And uh, I hit on it really hard because, you know, for my story, you know, I, I, for the longest time, never wanted to show that I had weakness. I never wanted to show that there, that I was ever going to be wrong. I always wanted to be the guy that was right. And I always wanted to be the guy that had the answer. Mm -hmm. And the challenge with that was, is I, I constantly expelled people when I did that because I wasn't relatable. I wasn't in a position where I could, you know, I could share my struggles and somebody else would share their struggles. And what happens as a result of that, we, we encourage each other when we build a relationship. And I got to the point where I was looking around and I was going through something that I knew I couldn't handle and I didn't have the right people around me that could, that I could say, Hey, I'm really struggling right now because I remember multiple times when I knew things were falling apart and somebody would ask me how my day was. And my default response was things are great. Best day ever. You know, I'm, I'm having a great time. And I'm, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, I am lying right now as I speak wow. because things are not okay, but I don't think this person cares enough to really hear me. Or I don't have that kind of relationship with them that I'm willing to, to do that. Or I don't want to show the weakness in my foot. Like I was so proud of kind of the facade that I had built and, but I was really hiding behind it and I, I just didn't want anybody to see that. So I think it's really important kind of uh, getting on the other side of that uh, to kind of tune into what you're saying about, you know, being willing to be vulnerable there because when life throws you those peaks and valleys, when those valleys come and they will come, if you have the right people around you, you can, you can smooth a lot of that out without having those valleys go as deep as they possibly can. Uh, and that also helps you in the highs too, because you, you have people around you that can, that they know your struggle. They know how hard you fought to get there and they can celebrate with you. Without a doubt. No, no, you're right on. I'm a huge believer and we've talked about this in the past, but just a huge believer in leading with vulnerability, mm. uh, leading with your struggle, connecting in your relationships in a deeper way. And, and, what, and I'm talking about business. I'm not talking about you know, the guy in your Sunday school class. Obviously, that should be there. But I'm talking about every relationship to a certain degree. I think that there's power in sharing uh, vulnerability. You, you connect deeper with somebody's heart and with their soul when you do that. And, and I think a, you know, just a, a side benefit is that the relationship deeper and you probably have more equity there and and uh, can grow the relationship but I'll just give you an example literally today a few hours ago I was on the phone uh, we're going through some staff issues in a certain area and so I was on the phone with somebody who supports our ministry but who's also a mentor of mine mm -hmm. and because of the connected shared vulnerability I was able to be very honest with him about not only what's going on in this specific staff issue but also what's going on with me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he was able to, you know, coach me through it and provide me constructive feedback organizationally. And like, I walk away from that. That's a huge win um, yeah. on in every area. And I think just as a, as a business leader, because that's still what I am. Uh, I think that's a, an, an incredible thing to have, but it only happened because we had a Starbucks 
six months ago and we both vulnerably shared everything in our story (laughs) and we connected on a really deep level. And so because of that shared vulnerability today, we were able to have a very good constructive conversation, which could have been a lot tougher if that relationship wasn't as deeper as deep. Yeah. Well, and and they want you to be successful. They, you know, they, they see what you're doing. They're vested in that and they understand that you are going to have struggles. I I think sometimes we don't give people enough credit. I think, I think we think that, you know, they're going to judge us like maybe harsher than we judge ourselves. And I think that, you know, sometimes our own self judgment gets projected onto these other people and we just, we don't want to let them down. We don't want them to see, you know, those, that side of us that's struggling, but, if they're a true mentor and a true friend, they're going to want to get down there and, and help you. They want to get in there and, and be that person that you need because at some point they've needed a person like that in, in the journey that they've been on. Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, a true believer is going to be for you and yeah. have great the situation and understanding. And so, yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. And I, that's just a, a great encouragement I would have for, for faith leaders is that uh, be open with that, you know, give trust, uh, yeah. make that be one of the first things to do. And, and then with, as you're giving trust, you're having faith. And so, and you're also opening up your, yourself to have great conversations about why you did what you did, why you trust in vulnerability, why you have faith to go in places that you wouldn't normally go. And so I think God's going to open up really cool doors for you um, in the business world as you lead with vulnerability. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And the funny thing is, if you had told me that five years ago, I'd have fought you on it. Uh, I, yeah. would have said, I would have said absolutely not. But it's so cool to to kind of sit back and have some of those conversations and, and share, you know, some of the, the, the times that I've struggled with other people. And, and because of that, you can see them say, you know what, I'm going to try that. And when they do try that, you're just, you're just cheering from the whole time because you know, it's again, it's, it's counter to their character at that moment. And, mm-hmm. and they have that amount of trust in you to try something that they have pretty much written off all the way to that point. And so when you see that and you see them see the fruit of it, you're just like, man, I enjoy the fact that I'm able to do this, but I'm also that much, uh, enjoy it that much more when I can see the results that other people, um, can take the, 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 the struggles and the challenges that I've, I've had and use that to improve their lives and improve their leadership. And man, it's so powerful. Agreed. That's good, man. Totally. <laughs> hey, I want to I want to uh, talk a little bit more about, um, you know, especially like if 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 somebody's listening to this podcast and they're kind of in this this role where we were talking about a little bit earlier, where they've been going through this journey, the stress is piling up, and they're sitting there going, "Man, you know what? I am looking for that release. I am looking for that place where I can kind of, you know, just completely tune out the world and just kind of have my own moment." but I think it's starting to get out of control. I think that I'm doing, pursuing that more than I am uh, pursuing maybe some other things that, that are healthy and, and that they're starting to feel the scales start, start to, uh, to, to tip the other way. I, I would hope for them that it's not going to take going all the way down the path of addiction mm-hmm. to, to realize that, you know, now is the time that I need to get help. So uh, with, with my question to you would be, what would you say to a person like that that's starting to, you know, maybe pick their head up for a little bit and says, well, 
you know, I don't even know where to start. I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't feel like I'm fully addicted, but I definitely know that, you know, things aren't going the right direction. What, what kind of guidance would you give a person like that? Well, I would say a couple of things. Number one, that if you feel like you're, you're sliding down a path that, um, that you don't want to go down, you're probably further than you think you are. And so now's the time to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and now's the time to get with somebody. And I think the best thing that I can tell someone um, is really just kind of based off my own story because it would have taken a lot for me to, to probably raise my hand, but I can at least tell you that w- how addiction works and really any major struggle that's going to take you out is it's, it's small steps. You know, I didn't wake up taking 50 pills a day, you know, 30 Lord tabs and snorting 20 Oxycontin a day. I mean, I didn't, it was a slow progression and I did it one day at a time and that poor habit um, and those poor routines begin one bad choice at a time. And so I just tell you that you might not feel as if you're way off track, but if, if you're sensing some things that aren't right, if you know that you're uh, outside of what you, your habits used to be, if somebody said something, um, if you've noticed it in your work performance, don't, don't wait because you're, you've probably taken a whole lot more steps than you realize and you're headed down the wrong path, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And so for me, I, um, I didn't have anybody until it was the end of the end, really um, brave's not the word, but willing to jump right in the middle of my grill and shake me around enough to say, bro, what are you doing? Um, Until I was at the very bottom. And so maybe that's what I'm doing with some of you right now, as you're listening to this is just shaking you up a little bit and saying, Hey, you don't have to keep going down that road. It, It only leads to a negative path. I'll tell you, addiction only gets worse. Um, the struggles that you're doing, um, struggles you're having in secret only get worse unless they're addressed. Um, shame grows in the dark. Um, struggles grow in the dark. And so try to address them, try to shed some light on them, try to talk to somebody you trust, share some vulnerability. Um, I think as you said, Evan earlier, we don't give people enough credit. I think there's folks that really do want to help that would be receptive to hearing you say, I'm, I'm struggling in this area or that area. But just know that if you're feeling that you're, you're slightly off track, um, let me be the voice of reason to say you're probably further than you think you are. And yeah. now's the time to correct it. Oh, man, I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I also want to kind of speak to the, maybe the person that is, you know, sitting there going, I, I have a friend and I know that they're they're starting to really deal with this, but I don't want to get into their business, but it is damaging our relationship. Or I see it damaging the relationship with their families or, or whatever else. Uh, you had said something to the effect of somebody finally you know, cared about you enough to get into your face and really say something. What does that conversation look like? And, and, and what would you say to the person that, that is kind of struggling with, do I, do I get into somebody else's business or do I just, do I just wait until they're ready for help? I, I would say this, and I get this question a lot, and I just mentioned how shame grows in the dark, and yeah. I, I, would, I would just kind of frame this entire response with, with that in, in mind. And so addiction and struggles grow in the dark. So the best thing for somebody to do, if they have a loved one, a coworker, a neighbor, anybody that's close to them that you're seeing struggle with, with an addiction or anything that's harming their life is you've got to act like you've got that big police flashlight in your hand and you've got to go shine a light in the dark places. Mm. And so that's the analogy that you got to get around your head is that I've got to go shine a light in these dark places. And what's that mean? That means having tough conversations. And it's very simply saying, 
hey, bro, this is what I'm seeing happen in your life, and these are the consequences that you might not see, but I'm seeing, and I just want to help. And I'm telling you, when you begin to just shine a light on these places, it will wake that person up to realize that, wow, other people are seeing this. Other people are being hurt by this. I'm causing problems. And they might not like raise their hand and want to get help right there. Um, in fact, it'll probably take several conversations, but I promise you from somebody that was on the other side of it, every one of those conversations will help build them up into that place where they're finally ready to throw up their hands and say, I need some help. And so it starts by shining a light in those dark places. And every time you're seeing it, you got to shine the light on it. Say, hey, you know what? I see what's going on right now. You're not fooling me. I, I smell it on you. I see it on you. I sense it on you. Um, just keep that flashlight on those dark places. And I believe, and do it with love, by the way. Do it with love. Lots of love, <laughs> yeah. lots of love and grace, um, by the way, uh, or that won't work in my opinion. But, but as long as you shine the light with love and grace, I promise you there'll come a time where, um, one way or the other, they'll raise their hands for some help. Yeah. And I, I want to echo that a little bit. I, I, I've had some instances where I felt like the words that I was saying was just not landing at all. Like, like mm -hmm. I, I was just sitting there and I'm like, man, I'm pouring out my heart telling you that I, I see the hurt that's happening here. And the, what the response that I was getting is I don't care. Like, I'm totally good. You're wrong. You're not, you don't know what I'm going through. You know, I was getting a lot of that back. And so I kind of walked away from that conversation, like really frustrated. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm trying to fight for this person. And all they're doing is just fighting with me instead of, you know, us fighting together, trying to figure out what's going on here. And so I, it was probably about two or three months that I was really just kind of, you know, kind of at the point where I was ready to write that person off. Cause I was just like, man, I can't, I can't keep going through this. I can't surround myself with this and my family with this. Like, I, I feel like I need to, to, to step away. And you know, the, the crazy thing for me was is later they came back to me and they said, you know what? I knew you were right in what you were saying. And I knew yes. that I was in the wrong, but I couldn't admit it at that point. But I want you to know, that even through that, I heard everything that you said. That's and right. It, it, it started to crack and it started mm -hmm. at that point, but you didn't know that. And you, and you probably didn't see that until two, three, four months later. So when you're in those situations and, and you're feeling like your words just aren't landing, be encouraged that it's part of, maybe multiple conversations that you'll have, but they do hear you. And I know that you feel frustrated with that person and you just, you, you want to just say, you know what, clearly that they, they don't want help. They're not ready, but they still need to hear that from you because I can say from my own experience that I was really encouraged when they came back and I really felt like they were genuinely ready to move forward because they did recognize, Hey, I did hear you and I do appreciate that. And I knew that you were doing it out of love. And I think that when you can kind of see that side of it, not just the frustrated side, not just the side where you feel like you're, you're just running into a wall. I feel like that's when you know, you know what, if I truly know a person and I can truly, truly care about a person, even when they're fighting me, they, they can still tell. That's you know, exactly right. Yep. Every conversation helps and they remember it and it gives them the courage when the time is right uh, to again, raise a hand and say, I need some help. Yeah. 
I want to talk a little bit about hope is alive. And I, I think that, you know, sometimes when you think about the word hope, I feel like you don't fully understand hope until you're going through despair until you you're in a situation where you feel like there's no way out. And then all of a sudden this, this group comes along called hope is alive and they're, they're there to give you hope in maybe, you know, your, your most darkest point or maybe on the other side of, you know, trying to finally get out of something. What is hope is alive meant to some of the people that have come through the program and what are some of the things that you've kind of seen as a result of doing the things that you guys do? Well, I think hope is critical. I mean, it's, it is the thing. Um, it's the, it's the fuel that, that really drives the whole bus. And I, I, your point is very well taken. If, if you haven't been to the bottom, then the word hope can seem like some platitude and, and some uh, corny thing. And, and even our name, people have told me oh, it's corny, but other people <laughs> like, like moms that have children who have suffered and been out there for years and years will tell me like the name alone of your organization gave me hope to keep moving forward. And so the hope is very, very powerful. Um, I think it's one of the most powerful things that God's given us on this earth. It's just the, the sheer thought, the belief that something could be better, that something could change. Um, that, that one little nugget of, of emotion, if you will, that feeling is what completely changed my life. Like maybe, and I think the point is that, you know, I had resigned myself to thinking literally that I will take pills every day for the rest of my life. Mm. And so having this hope early on that, that, that was not true, <laughs> that that was a lie. And that not only could I live a life free from the substance, but a, a full abundant life that I'd honestly never experienced ever. Um, it's a very powerful thing. And so hope pulls people through. And so not just, the side of recovery and, and can I stay clean and sober? But you got to think about, you know, a mom or a dad coming into our homes, checking into our program that because of some choices and some legal issues, they don't have the opportunity to be in their children's life every day. Mm. But the, the possibility for them to have a reconciliation is out there a year, a year and a half, two years down the line. You know, that is hope. That's a powerful um, feeling and, uh, almost an obsession that, that I, there's a time that I could really be all that I've ever wanted to be. And that pulls people through our program. And so we, we've seen that change people's lives. I could tell you hundreds of stories of, of moms and dads getting reconnected with their children's lives. Um, individuals going back to college and completing things that literally not only completing them, but completing them with all A's where they used to have, you know, a, a less than a one GPA. I mean, yeah. unbelievable stories of folks saving finances and, and paying off legal bills, um, stepping into their calling. We've had folks that have been called to ministry and gone to plant their own churches and gone on mission trips all over the world. And like I mentioned earlier, all of our staff are graduates of our program that are living out their calling today. All of that is really built on the foundation of hope. And that is that this belief that something in my life um, could change or uh, that the, the the person that I've desired to be is actually out there for me uh, to go out and grab. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the things that when I think about just somebody going through that journey and maybe they've realized that they can't spend time with their family anymore or they can't, they can't do things the way that they did. A lot of that stuff's been stripped away. And, and so I think part of the challenge 
that they're dealing with is they're dealing with like this self-pity of like, I've completely screwed up and this is my new norm. My new norm is pills. My new norm is drugs. My new norm is, you know, whatever, whatever that thing is. And I think that we get so kind of laser focused in on what reality is that we lose hope in, in what our lives could be. And I think that's where we start getting into that despair and we start get just kind of giving up on life. And I think that, you know, that's the most dangerous place for a person to be is when they're not operating in their purpose and they don't really know the worth of themselves. And if you don't have anyone that's there to come alongside you and say that you are worth something, you have value, you're here for a reason and we believe in you and we want you to get that. I mean, you guys have an opportunity through Hope is Alive to really encourage people. I mean, there, there it's a community of people that are living together and encouraging each other. And you said the word discipleship, which I think is a, is a great word for it. Um, but you're, you're, you're essentially allowing people to walk through life together. And one of the things that I walked away with whenever I uh, left the Knights in November event that you guys did was there's some people in here that are so tuned in now to their lives. They're so tuned in to the, 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 the decisions that they make, they're, they're so tuned into being vulnerable. I was like, man, there's some people in here that are so much further along in like in their, in their minds and in, in their uh, spiritual maturity than people that I, I would deem sometimes successful. Sometimes, you know, people that I would say are in a position that are, uh, you know, doing well in life. But then I, I, I see some of these people that have the freedom um, that they've finally been able to achieve through hope is alive. And when they see that freedom and they've tasted it, there's so much more peace on them than, than people that are going through, uh, you know, in the regular world. And I, I wish that you didn't have to go through addiction to find that. And I don't think you do, but man, it's so apparent when you, when you talk to those people, how much freedom and how much fulfillment they have just by that community and that discipleship that you guys create. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think if everybody could, they need to come to a program like this. I mean, it's it's beneficial for for anyone to to work on those skills. And I just want to say real quickly, I mean, the power of hope is not only something internally, but it's oftentimes confirmed in those that you're living in community with. And so you're you're watching somebody else go and achieve things that you never thought were possible to you, and that that gives you a shared hope and a connected hope and that that right there is the power of what we do um, it is you know not only the programming is spectacular our staff is amazing but what happens inside each home just that community of eight to ten people that are doing life together really experiencing the ups and downs you know those that are roommates um, sitting in there at night before they're going to bed and 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 talking about their days and their struggles and their victories i mean that is powerful community and I believe it's really a model of what we saw in the, in the early New Testament church. Um, it's really providing for one another's needs, um, working through life together, uh, doing it together. And, and that is a powerful tool that allows us to, I think, exponentially change our lives. Absolutely. When I was kind of preparing for this and trying to figure out, like, how, you know, how do we kind of go full circle on this? Because I definitely want to talk about what you guys do. I want to talk about how addiction is is really close, closer than we, we potentially think. Uh, and then kind of 
you know, go through the, the journey of, of, of how you guys help people on the other side and, and some of the benefits that I've seen in terms of people that have gone through the, the, the program. I don't think everybody's there. I don't think everybody's like uh, on the verge of addiction or everyone is an addiction, but I think it is important to recognize that it is a possibility, uh, especially if, if you're not finding ways to accurately uh, or to appropriately handle some of the stresses that life brings. But on the other side of it, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on this because as I was thinking about it, I was trying to figure out like, what's the antidote to addiction? Uh, you know, when you get into addiction, you get to this point of despair and, and you're trying to escape something. You're trying to escape a reality. You're, you're not happy with yourself. You're not happy with maybe the things that are going on. There's, there's too much stress and you're just trying to escape. And I think that, you know, that's something that everybody at some point is going to have to deal with. But on the other side of it, I was trying to kind of figure out, all right, so how do we, how do we kind of fend that off? And I think we talked about a little bit is finding your own personal purpose and, and, and finding out, you know, what was I created for and what am I good at? What are the things that I thrive in that I enjoy doing and, and what difference am I making? And I think that when you have that opportunity to really dial into your personal purpose, and I believe that you guys do this through your program is you help people identify like what, you know, what are you here for? What are your strengths? Like what, what is you have value? Let's figure out what that is. And once they find that, that's when they start, like you said, stepping into their calling. And so I, I think it's really important that if, if, if I were to walk away from, from any of this would be if I'm not stepping in my calling, if I'm not working towards my personal purpose, there's, there's a lot of just draining things that come with that. But once you line up with that, once you find that personal purpose, a lot of that other stuff goes away. And I, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Absolutely. And, and I, I will share like this, everything that's happened from, from hope is alive. All, all the incredible things that God has done has at the end of the day, all began uh, by somebody helping somebody else. Um, that's at the core of the core. It was ultimately initially me finding my purpose and being willing to help one other person and then another person and then another person. And, and the story goes on and then somebody joining our team and then finding their purpose and them helping somebody and then somebody else. And the ramifications or the benefits of that is yes, a, an organization that is sound and individuals that want to volunteer and churches that want to partner and groups that want to give. And, and yes, everything kind of comes from that, but it all starts with the why. It all starts with the purpose. And so I, I just want to encourage people at, at the end of the day, when you feel like you are called, I know I'm using a spiritual word, but when you, when you feel called to do something and you really feel like that's your purpose, take a step of faith. Take a risk. Um, get out there and say yes to what's in front of you. Everything that you'll need to, to function and to, and to be uh, a sound business, all that stuff will come. I really believe it, but there's, there, I believe there's certain giftings and, and certain specific things that God's created all of us to do, and it's called your purpose, and only you can do it, and only you have the story that you have, and only you've been through the experiences you've been with, and other people need what only you can give them. Mm. And when you find that, that's magic. And I believe God blesses it in a big way. Absolutely. Lance, uh, how do people connect with hope is alive? How, if they want to uh, learn more about what you guys are doing or, or maybe yeah. they have somebody that they'd like to like connect with hope is alive and, and maybe enter the program. What are the best mm -hmm. ways to do that? 
The easiest way is to go to the website, hopeisalive.net, and you can find everything there, including uh, our Hope Line. That's an easy onboarding way for you to call and learn more about what we're doing or even ask questions about a loved one. And so hopeisalive.net is a great place to go to volunteer, to give, to learn more about the program, to find out where our homes are, any of that. And then I'd also say that we're very active socially, so please go out, like the Facebook page, follow us on Instagram. Uh, we post several times a day, post all kinds of stories, um, get on there and sign up for our, our emails. We send out at least one email a week um, overall nationally, and then we send other emails just, just to the specific market or city that you might be close to. And so get involved, uh, pay attention to what we're doing, and if you can support, jump in there and do it because we need it. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to encourage people. I know nights in November obviously happen, happens in November, but I think you have some lunch things that you guys are doing too. Yeah, do I'd love to hear things? about that. For sure. So whether you're in Oklahoma City, Tulsa, or Wichita, or maybe even all the way out in North Carolina, you can attend our spring luncheons and you can go to inspiringlunch.com. That's inspiringlunch.com to find out the dates and the locations in those cities. Uh, but specifically in Tulsa, it's April 30th at Evergreen Baptist Church. You can go to inspiringlunch.com to register to attend or to sponsor a table. Awesome, Lance. Well, I, I told you at the kind of when we started talking about this that I was going to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. This is kind of, uh, in, in my opinion, the, the way that I would uh, say, like, what would you say to a younger version of yourself? Maybe somebody in, when you're in your young 20s and you're kind of getting started, you're, you're getting out of maybe school and you're trying to realize that, you know, life's a little bit more difficult than you thought it was. Uh, now kind of being where you are today, what would you say to that younger version of yourself? I would say that you're not alone. You're not weird. Um, you're not different. There are a lot of people that have the same struggles and the same um, failures and the same places, uh, same places of shame in their lives. And so it's okay just to embrace who you are. Um, again, you're not alone. Go be who you are called to be. Chase after it. Take care of yourself. Um, put the right things into your body, put the right people around you and, you know, to go and live your best life and, and don't give up on yourself and don't give up on God because he loves you. Awesome. Lance, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the, the podcast to, to share your story and, and definitely everything that you guys are doing with, with Hope is Alive. Uh, just the little bit that I know about it and, and, and the more that I've kind of gotten to know the difference that you're making in the community, I, I just want to applaud you and say, man, thank you so much for caring about the people that a lot of us you know, sometimes want to write off so that we, we, we feel like there is no hope for them. And, mm. and having an organization like Hope is Alive uh, reminds us that those people do have value and that, that they are worthy of pursuing. And I believe that as you continue to see the results that you guys see, the, the changed lives, the families that are reunited, as you continue to see all that stuff, I, I'm just, I, I'm blown away by how, you know, somebody could maybe look at your story and say, you know, the addiction and the the drugs and and just that part of your like they could look at that and say you know I should not be I, I shouldn't be doing anything because of these things but in, instead of that you you are able to turn it around and say you know this is my story this is the 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 challenges that I've gone through and I'm going to lead with that because mm. that, in that way I can help you because That's I know good. you're going through those same things and I know that uh, you're struggling like I struggled and it allows you to build that relationship with them. And, and we need people like that 
in this world because I think too often we try to get too individualized and, and too self-focused uh, that we forget that we're in community and we're in a, a city that we can make an impact with. We, we get in our little cars and our little bubbles and we don't want to, uh, you know, interact with people because, you know, we don't have time or whatever else or we really don't care. But I think it's really important to recognize that we should care. And there are people out there that need mm -hmm. uh, us. We're not always going to be in the same phase of life. We're not going to always be going through the same things. But, you know, just knowing that there's organizations out there and there's people out there that care about that, that inspires me. And that hopefully inspires my audience to look at some of the relationships that they have and look at some of the people that uh, maybe they've written off in their life and say, you know what, I need to continue to pursue that person. I need to continue to have that conversation because there is hope for them. I've seen it through Hope is Alive and I believe that I can be a part of pointing people uh, back in the direction to restoration and finding hope and purpose in their life. Uh, man, thank you again mm -hmm. for, for, for doing this. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm gushing, but uh, you know, mm -hmm. this is just one of those things that, you know, we don't get an opportunity to talk a lot about because I don't mm -hmm. think a lot of people want to talk about their addiction. They don't want to talk about those dark areas in their life. But when I can find organizations and I can find people that are directly addressing it, shining a light on it and shining a light on it with love, um, man, I, I really hope the best for you guys and, and Thank you, man. actively looking for ways uh, to continue to help what you guys are doing. Listeners, wow. remember, choose to connect, seek development and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast.